Welcome to Elite Team Athletics Podcast. Be sure to check us out on iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. Click that subscribe button and leave a comment. Anyways, I got my guy Q in here. I'm your host, Kyle Coglatori, and let's get right into it, Q. Uh, NBA, Harden has released his preferred destinations, and one of them includes your team, which is kind of surprising to me, the Bucks. Um, aren't him and, and, and Giannis arch nemesis? So before we even start into that, you said my team, the Bucks. I won't 100% take ownership in that being my team. I I do like the Bucks since that is the hometown team, but they are not my team. Spurs, my bad, my bad. Spurs fan, go Spurs, go. But um, yeah, it's a very unique situation. You know, he's he's interested in a lot of Eastern conference teams, which would probably be best in his situation because he's not making it out of the West. So let's, let's get that out the way. Um, he's interested in the, the 76ers. That would be a very unique fit. I see he was kind of chatting with Meek Mill not too long ago. He's, he's cool with Embiid. Doc Rivers is the new coach. You know, it's a, it's a very fun situation, I guess, for Philly. He's interested in the Bucks, the Heat. I couldn't see him going to the Heat. He would 100% blow off their chemistry. He's too ball dominant. You know, they're 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 they have a very young team, nice core. They're playing good ball over there, and I think they're getting something special going now that the team is going to be healthy. Not a good fit, Milwaukee. I think he would do okay in Milwaukee, being a you know a a hometown guy not necessarily a bucks diehard fan i think he would be all right because they need someone who can take over a game offensively you know Giannis would that would kind of have a great correlation because he can play off of the ball more i feel like when he has the ball in his hands he's very predictable obviously you can sag off give him some space and dare him to knock down that shot he's not too confident in it obviously the percentages show that but if Harden has the ball and he's off of the ball cutting posting it opens up the floor then you got Drew Holiday as well one of the best two-way players in the league and I think that would be a better fit for him out of all the teams that he's interested in yeah man I don't I don't know I don't know where I, I don't love Harden's game I don't love Giannis's game I think they're both unbelievable players and they're great players. It's just not what I like to watch. That kind of, that kind of basketball. Um, I, I kind of think Miami would be an interesting spot for him because I think a lot of those guys would play secondary to him gladly as long as they're winning. You know what I mean? He'd have a bunch of three point shooting around him. Jimmy buckets would definitely bring him in. I know that he was the one who liked the post and said, Oh, I liked his haircut and his beard. It looked good. But we all know what it really meant. Um, but it'd be interesting. I, I, I think the Rockets are hard pressed, and he's really pushing their his foot to their throat, saying like, "Get me the hell out of here." Yeah, I mean, it's. I felt like it would be long overdue. You know, he was trying to push himself to Brooklyn as well, and I think I read something yesterday saying Brooklyn will not participate in that sweepstakes unless Durant and Kyrie are a part of that deal. 
which is not going to happen because they just, you know, united this past season. So that's out of the question. But um, it's it'll be very interesting to see where he goes if he ends up leaving. And I thought he was going to be, you know, stuck in Houston for, you know, the rest of his career since he, he did sign a pretty big contract, you know, kind of put Houston back on the map. And it looks like it's time to team up somewhere else now. Obviously, Eastern Eastern Conference. I think he's really missing Clint Capella, you know. That, yeah, that? Once, once they started going to the small ball lineup, I felt like it was – you know, it's good for, I guess, their style of play. D'Antoni was always a, a fast-paced coach, up-and-down guy. You know, he had the 11-second system or whatever it was in Phoenix with Nash, and that, that worked pretty well. They got, you know, some some success out of that. Steve Nash found some, you know, MVPs in that system. But, you know, Harden, you know, not having a big man, you know, that can be very detrimental towards – postseason you know second chance points rebounds all the banging pj tucker is you know a phenomenal defender but that's that's a lot you're asking from your small forward technically mm-hmm. on to guard a seven footer guy who's two 270 plus you know up and down on both sides of the floor it's easier for offense because they can space the floor out but defense you got a bang you got a box you got a rebound and then you have to have the legs to still shoot those corner threes. So, you know, hats off to PJ for doing that, you know, for the, the part of the season that they did not have a center, but I just didn't see that working out long-term. The other interesting headline that I saw was the Wiggins quote saying that the Warriors are a better fit, basically saying the Wolves were not it for him. I mean, are we going to see him finally come out of his shell and be who he's supposed to be? Um, it, it was just recently that Sam Mitchell and Kevin Garnett came out saying that he should be an MVP of the league, that they root for him and they hope that he finally turns it up. But they saw him in practice just do things and take over and just be abnormal compared to other people they've seen in the NBA. And to hear that from Kevin Garnett, that's, that's pretty crazy to have that quote. Um, but I guess everybody just says that he, he, he under, I don't even know. He, he just never does what he's, you know what I mean? Underperforms. Does not live I up think, to his potential. Yeah, I think that's uh, another, you know, interesting situation. Uh, Wiggins has, you know, sky-high potential. You know, he's a phenomenal athlete. You know, he can, he can score the ball. I, I didn't think Minnesota was the the greatest place for him to excel just, just because of you know, the ceiling of the team at the time, you know, he was brought into a situation where, you know, they weren't a playoff team and he was young. He really didn't have many players around him to really, I guess, push him, you know, and it's Wiggins. He started developing a little more, but now that he's in a different situation, more so a different type of offense, you know, different scores, it, it kind of sucks that Clay's going to be out, but now he can kind of fill that role between the role that he was going to have along with a piece of what Clay would contribute as well. So he's going to take a bigger role this season. I think he will still put up, you know, 16 plus per game and help Steph out and the rest of the team. But I think he'll flourish in, in Golden State. 
know, he has another opportunity to prove himself, and I think this is the time that he, he has to take advantage of that and do it. I definitely think he's around the most talent he's even had ever in his career. Um, even with when he was with the Wolves and we had Teague and Buckets with him and Cat, it, it still doesn't compare to a season without Clay having Curry, Draymond. You're going to have Wiseman. You're, they're bringing in Kelly Oubre. Like, they have a deep bench. He's, he's just in a better system. I wonder if Kerr is going to bring it all out of him. Um, it's always sad. It seems like ex-Wolves always figure it out when they're not with the Wolves, unfortunately. Yeah, it's different when you have, you know, a coach with, you know, one, a different system that, you know, gives you the opportunity to just be yourself. Not saying that Wiggins didn't have that at Minnesota, but, you know, it's a, a different leadership role that he'll be underneath that umbrella in Golden State, you'll have guys who have won rings, you know, guys who have been to the, the postseason finals, you know, where, where he's trying to go. So he can kind of learn and grow from some of those mature players that have already been there and experienced that, such as Steph, Clay, Draymond, you know, pieces like that. So, you know, he really didn't have that Draymond type of player in Minnesota. So, I think that'll really make a difference in his, his gameplay just because, you know, when you have teammates like that, that are going to not just get on you, get after you, but push you to be better and be the best individual you can be for the team. I think that'll help him reach his ceiling. The other headline that I thought was very interesting, the LeBron James quote saying that AD is more gifted than Kyrie. Is that a little stab at Kyrie? I think it's a shot back. You know, Kyrie did say, you know, the most clutch player or he has never had a player that he could trust taking the last shot until now. And I think the timing of that comment was like early NBA finals. I want to say game one or game two, that article came out and LeBron said he was kind of blindsided by that. I don't know if that was a reason to stir up some controversy, but I mean, Kyrie has a point. Like, if you were Kyrie with the proven history of you being able to knock down a game winner or, you know, a go-ahead bucket like he did in the finals versus Golden State, would you rather put LeBron in that situation or would you take the shot yourself? I mean, personally, I would take Kyrie taking that shot. We we all know LeBron. You know, he's one of the greatest players of all time. He's not normally taking that shot. You know, he makes the right basketball play every time. Would we like to see him be more aggressive and, you know, take that shot, make or miss? Yeah, of course. But, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. You know, it's not about what we want the player to do. It's about, you know, what they are out there doing. So, the hot take, the hot take, the hot take. Yeah, I mean, I, I lean with Kyrie on that one. You know, I would rather have Kyrie take the shot than LeBron at the end. And now that he's with KD, KD can be the, the closer comfortably. You know, he doesn't have to worry about that. He knows KD is more than capable of knocking down that shot, getting whatever shot he wants. And that's just the facts. Facts. Then the other one we see, which is a big deal, is the PG-13 extension. Um, the bubble really exposed Paul George, and it wasn't, you know, before he blew his leg out, or he, Kevin weared his leg, you know, he he was arguably the top player in the NBA. He was, like, top three 
he's kind of had a downfall since then. In this past bubble, he was not it. He was definitely, you know, MVP caliber before the the major injury. Um, I did do a little bit of reading on what he was saying when he got the extension as well. He said last season, I, I saw a snippet on all the smoke. He was saying that in the preseason when everyone was getting together and working out and training, he was still rehabbing from his injury, trying to get his body back ready. And then his timing was off with the team when he started you know, playing. Obviously, the the stoppage of the season kind of messed it up as well. But also he said this season he's back with his trainer that he was working out with when he was at the MVP caliber and that he's going to be ready for this season. So the, the extension, you know, it, it, it makes sense for a long-term deal, you know, long security, but I'm excited to see what he does this, this upcoming season. No, he he got paid. Now let's see him perform. We all know that the playoff, the bubble, Paul George was not the Paul George that we know. Shooting shots off the side of the backboard and and shit like that. That ain't. That's not him. That's not PG. That's not oh, PG. That's, I want old PG back. Give me the no, old PG. That was movie PG. This is uh. This is a different. <laughs> this is, this is Paul George. Let Let's bring it into week fourteen of the NFL. We'll talk about your bets. We'll run through these teams. Uh, last night, the Pats got ran through by the Rams. Cam Akers, I think, had like 171 yards total. Um, 24-3. to uh, Cam Newton got benched, but Billy Belichick came out and said that he's going to be the starter moving forward. It was just because the game was out of hand. Um, but let's run it in. Uh, the Chiefs versus the Finns. What are you thinking? What's the spread even? I don't even know. Um, looks like the the Chiefs are on the road and they are favored by seven and a half. I don't think the Dolphins are seven and a half worthy. Uh, Chiefs should win by ten minimum. I mean, I, they just have firepower for a lot of these teams, and I know some of these lines are, you know, a little off sometimes. But last week, I did call the Broncos were going to cover within fourteen. You did. You called that. You did. And they, they were balling. I mean, they played pretty damn well for for being such an injured team. Yeah, and shout out to uh to Melvin. He had a very, very great game. It was uh it was one of those big games that he I know he was probably looking forward to. You know, the kid the kid can shine when the lights are bright. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, Melvin balled out. And I mean he he's been playing in those uh rivalry games. He's I mean when he was with the Chargers, he's still playing against the Chiefs. The Broncos, like he just switched sides. He still probably hates the Chiefs just as much as he did when he was a Charger, you know what I'm saying? Most likely. <laughs> the the one thing that I'll say though is like, yes, the Chiefs should definitely win. Um but do not sleep on the Finns cornerbacks. They got Xavier Howard. And they got Byron Jones, probably the best tandem in the NFL. So you might see Tyreek Hill have a terrible game. You yeah, might, right? Because he's 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 got an illness right now. Supposedly he's battling the flu. He just practiced for the first time today. Um, he might have a down game. Xavier Howard is probably top five corner in the league, and I bet he shadows him all night or all day. Chiefs minus seven and a half. <laughs> Well, then we got the the Cowboys and the Bengals. Your boys should finally get a win. 
Yeah, Cowboys, it looks like we're on the road against Cincinnati. We are favored by three and a half. And this is an interesting game because before COVID and all this stuff, once I actually found out that uh, Trey was going to the, the Bengals, since I am a Cowboys fan, we were actually looking into going to this game kind of as like a little, you know, Christmas present, I guess. But, you know, the pandemic had plan other plans and we have to watch it at home. <laughs> Cowboys minus three and a half. You can, you can lock it. And then we got the Titans and the Jags. Derrick Henry's probably going to have 300 rushing yards and maybe five TDs. Um, that game's probably going to be disgusting. They just got whooped last week, so I think they're going to come out guns a-blazing. Yeah, Titans by seven and a half. Uh, that's that's a divisional game. Um, I think the Titans are, are going to bounce back. They, they played very bad last week, and usually when that happens, they bounce back strong. So we're, we're going to have a lot game. of favorites this week. A lot of favorites. Then we got the Cards and the Giants. The Giants are on a four-game win streak. They just beat the Seahawks without Daniel Jones. I don't know what the hell Joe Judge has got going on over there. But if they beat the Cards, they might be the real deal. So this is a three-point spread in the favor of the Cardinals. This is uh, this is probably a must-win more so for the Cardinals than it is for the Giants. Uh, I don't. That's the three points is really tough. This is one of those games where I would just kind of play it safe and just take the straight-up money line. Cardinals win the game. Do they win by more than three? Yeah, if, uh, sprinkle a little bit on the minus three. Go ahead. Then we got the Texans and the Bears. I feel like Deshaun Watson's ready to spoil some dreams. The Bears are on the brink of completely being out of everything. Uh, their season started off great, but it's been going downhill quick. So we got the the Texans on the road as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. It looks like, you know, the Texans are a little a little light at the wide receiver position since they just lost uh, a couple players. Defense for the Bears, they're going to have a lot of pass rushing versus Watson. This is a tough one. I think um, – I think the Texans get the win. I think they. I think they get the win. I think they grind it out. I don't. I don't believe in the Bears' offense, a hundred percent. I don't believe in it fifty percent. Texans roll. I'm all for the Texans. I'm a big Watson guy. We got the Broncos, and the Panthers. I think Gordon's gonna ball out one more time. Um. That's a, a very interesting line. It looks like they're still putting the lines together. They haven't solidified it yet. Must be some roster changes and all that. But the Panthers are a pretty solid team when they want to be. Panthers win that game. Then we got my Vikings versus the Bucks. The Vikes finally clawed themselves back to 500. So right now, I believe the seventh seed. Um, they do control their own destiny if they're going to go to the playoffs or not. But they do play the Bucks, and they play Tom Brady, who's a pretty damn good player. 
who's got a lot of weapons. I know he's not hitting the deep ball right now, but I'm sure Antonio Brown will find it this week against my Vikings and go off for 200 yards and three touchdowns or something like that. Or Rob Gronkowski will, or Mike Evans, or Chris Godwin, or Ronald Jones, or Leonard Fournette. Who knows? But somebody's probably going to ball out. I know the Vikes are are probably missing Eric Kendricks this week and possibly Kyle Rudolph. I don't know if uh, Irv Smith will be back or not. Um, their defense, the Bucks' defense is very good against the run, which is not good because our team, you know, we rely on play action. A lot of our stuff goes through Dalvin Cook. So if he's not rolling, we're probably not rolling. And us being shorthanded, I don't know if the Vikes' defense is going to win it for us. Um, very, very scary game for Vikes fans. So we have the, the Bucks at home with a six-and-a-half point favorite. Six-and-a-half point spread. It's tough not to take the Bucks on this one just because the wide receivers versus the defensive back matchup. We have a lot of firepower on the wide receiver side for the Buccaneers. We have a lot of young guys on the defensive backside for the Vikings. I don't know if they'll be able to hold up against all of them. And good luck to them this week. Yeah, we need luck. We need some luck. I hope somebody finds a horseshoe in someone's ass and we pull it off. It'd be nice. It'd be a learning experience this week for whoever's guarding Mike Evans and gang. Oh, God, he's tough. Mike Evans for now just because he's going to – He's going to have a lot of one-on-one situations, and if he doesn't have one-on-one situations, then the other guys will. Then we got the Colts and the Raiders. The Colts have actually been playing pretty damn good, but the Raiders just came off of a crazy game where Derek Carr and and uh, Darren Waller just balled out. What Darren Waller have, like 170 yards and like three touchdowns or something absurd last week. Um, that's actually a really good game. I'm excited to watch it. But it's something I would stay away from betting personally because I do think it could go either way. The Colts got a great defense. DeForest Buckner's there. He's not on the COVID list anymore. And they're rolling offensively, too. I mean, T.Y. Hilton finally turning it on. Phillip Rivers always spreading the ball. And the running backs are killing it. So this is a game that I don't even have to think about after seeing the performance that the Raiders had against the Jets, and they almost let the Jets get their first win. The Colts have a three-point spread on the road. Take the Colts. Colts, Colts, Colts. The Raiders almost lose to the Jets. The Colts are playing phenomenal football. They're top five in the NFL in defense. Book it. Then we got the Jets and the Seahawks which is gross because the Seahawks just lost to the Giants. Are we going to see them keep faltering and, and see the Jets almost get another win and lose out on the Trevor sweepstakes, or what are we going to see here? This is one of those games that, yeah, it's, it's just it's, it feels right to take Seattle at home with a 13-and-a-half-point spread. This is one of those I would just stay away from. Seattle's not playing their best football. Yeah, they should win by 21 or more. They just lost to the Giants as a nine-point favorite. Uh, I won't even watch this game. <laughs> Box score. I, I hope Russ starts cooking again. Um, we got the Falcons and the Chargers. Uh, the Falcons just announced that Julio Jones is out. 
when Julio's out, that offense does not play as well. I think uh, Calvin Ridley goes from being a top five receiver when Julio is in the lineup to then dropping to almost the top 20. I think he's like 19 or something like that when Julio plays or doesn't play. And then that Hayden Hurst drops from being a top five tight end to a top 24 tight end. Um, I just don't see that offense, you know, pulling it out. Maybe we see some sparks from the Chargers, but the Chargers also tend to play great until the fourth quarter and lose everything that they've built up. So I don't know. I know Raheem Morris, he's playing for a job. He's been helping him win a couple games. I think he's proving that he should still get another shot at being a head coach. So I would not count the Falcons out. I think Gurley's back. So it's a uh, Falcons are on the road. They have a one and a half point spread. I would take the Falcons on this game just because I saw what they were capable of doing against the Raiders when the Raiders had just came off of a game where they lost to the Chiefs by seven. It was very competitive the whole game. They had the lead most of the game. They were in control. And the Raiders, I thought they would come out and play the same type of football the following week. And the Falcons without Gurley, without Julio, they put up 44 points, I believe. So this Falcons team is very capable of not only winning, but putting up numbers with or without their best wide receiver. And if they're playing the the Chargers, who just got blew out by the Patriots 45 to nothing, there's no way I would take the Chargers at home, away, Mars, nothing. <laughs> we have uh, we have the Saints and the Eagles, and I need to apologize to Taysom Hill. Last week, I thought it would be his first real test and that we might see Jameis Winston come in and save the day. Um, he proved that he could throw the ball, and they ultimately kicked the shit out of the team they were playing. Um, the Saints and the Eagles this week, we're going to see Jalen Hurts start over Carson Wentz. Uh, NDSU boy, I'm, I'm still a big believer in Wentz. Hopefully he gets out of an Eagles uniform and finds a spot where he can be successful again. Um, it was only like two, three years ago where he was an MVP candidate until he blew out his ACL. Um, but the Saints-Eagles, the Saints should win against a, a struggling Eagles team with a lot of talent. I agree. I see the Saints are on the road. They do have a seven-point spread. They are the favorite. Eagles just haven't had a complete football team. They have been struggling with some injuries, struggling with some, just some, some playing issues. The O-line doesn't seem to be, you know, together. It's a lot of, a lot of hurry up, a lot of, you know, knockdowns and a lot of sacks. It's hard not to take the Saints by a touchdown. It's just, they, they'll play a better brand of football for, majority of the time you know it's a 60 minute game I think they'll have possession for you know at least two-thirds of the game and out of those two-thirds they'll be scoring at least 50 percent of that two-thirds high scoring for the Saints not so much for the Eagles Eagles might put up some points some sympathy points towards the end but take the take the Saints by seven then we got a divisional game with the Packers and Lions. Um, Stafford just beat on the Bears last week with, I mean, his whole team's injured, which is miraculous because um, the Bears' defense is pretty solid. 
But the Packers, they're tough, man. They're very, very tough. Aaron Rodgers is at it again, killing everybody. Um, they should have never gone and drafted Jordan Love because he's a madman now, and he's just tearing up the league. I see them destroying the Lions. So this one, the Packers are on the road. We have the eight-point favorite as the Packers. The Lions, they are tough. I think last week when we were talking about the the, the game versus the Bears, I did say, you know, I was thinking the Bears should win, but in that divisional matchup, it's hard to count the Lions out. Stafford usually does a good job of keeping teams around, and, and – they end up covering, so you know that's one thing. But against the Packers, I just don't think the Lions have enough offensively that are healthy that can put up those type of points. So it, it I don't think they can stop the Packers. I honestly see this being like a 14-point game, and you know we can probably put it down for like a 31-17 type of game. I agree. Um, we got this, the Washington football team. I almost said skins. My apology. And the Niners. Uh, the Niners, I think, are a much better team than their record shows. Um, Washington's offense is just not really there. Uh, that Logan Thomas looked great last week. And Alex Smith, he's such an awesome story. Like, the guy's battled through everything to come back and play football with almost losing his leg is absurd. Um but the Niners, I think, are just too tough, and I think they're starting to get healthy. Debo Samuel is unreal. Uh, Brandon Ayuk's really good. The running back game, you know, that, that committee they have was kind of down last week, but I think it'll bounce back. Um, unless Chase Young somehow wills the Skins or the Washington football team to a win, I just don't see it happening. It's tough. Um, it's it's a very unique situation. Um seeing that Washington just beat the only undefeated team in the NFL, the Steelers, they, they put together a pretty good performance. This, the Niners are pretty banged up. It is a three point spread in the favor of the Niners. I think they'll, they'll bounce back and, and get the win. I don't know if it'll be by three or more. This is the one where I would just take the Niners straight up. And then we got another divisional game, the Ravens and the Browns. The Ravens are finally getting back a crap ton of players that they lost to the COVID list. Um, the Browns are rolling though right now. Kevin Stefanski's got Baker Mayfield looking like a player. He's actually looking pretty damn good, which is surprising because everybody hates on Baker, says that he can't beat teams that have winning records, which is actually pretty true if you look back on his stats and what he's done against winning teams. But, I mean, they're winning. This is their first winning season, I think, in, like, what was it, 1999 or some, some shit? It was something crazy. It's definitely been a while. It looks like Baltimore is on the road. They have the two-and-a-half-point spread. I, I'm not impressed from what I've been seeing from Baltimore. The Browns have been playing well. Um. I, I want to take the Ravens on the road with this one just because them getting their players back, they just had a, a, a decent win against my Cowboys. I mean, what, what do we expect? But Ravens are, are going to start turning into the team that we saw last year with their, their players getting back healthy. 
I think we'll see uh, a nice performance for them. I would take the Ravens minus two and a half. I think even seeing Kalius Campbell um, banged up, he's still an unbelievable player when he's hurt. So even having him in the lineup, I think, is such a big difference. Um, they have so much talent, and when they start running the ball like they did last week, it's just hard to stop a team like that. Um, J.K. Dobbins has been turning it on. Gus Edwards has been a stud. And Mark Ingram's Mark Ingram. I mean, they have three-headed monster there that, that's crazy. Plus, if you count the fourth head, Lamar Jackson. Uh, if he could start passing – they'd be unstoppable. Their defense is still a great defense. I believe it's a top five defense. Um, with the players coming back from the COVID list, I just think they're going to be hard to beat. Mark, Mark Andrews is probably going to have a big game. I don't see the Browns beating them. I think they come back down to reality. Yeah, so I would uh, take the, the Ravens on this one, minus two and a half on the road. I think Lamar puts together a great performance. And wise words of Mark Ingram, big trust, woo-woo. <laughs> We'll end it on that one. Great episode, cute.